Why, hello, Thrivers. What is a Thriver, you ask? If you're a Thriver, it means you're a fan of this show. That's right. While you're all Thrivers in my heart, there's a more official way to become one, if you catch my drift. Go to www.patreon.com slash MrThrive to become a patron to this exciting opportunity for exclusive content, live updates, experimental media, insights, and more, all to keep you more in the action. Become a Thriver today at patreon.com slash MRThrive. Enjoy the show. have stumbled upon Stars of Tomorrow, where every Friday I, Mr. Thrive, interview someone like dancer Isis Woodruff, who is yet to be discovered. This up-and-coming podcast talks with the up-and-coming Isis. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I've, I've, always, I've always just enjoyed your company, your very warm presence, but you're a dancer. And we haven't had someone who is as physically laborious on in, in the world of art as you yet on the show so to, in the purposes of di- diversifying I, i'm just proud to have you on the show so thanks so much for coming here awesome. tonight thank you for having me yeah also this is like so i was i was telling you earlier during the warm-up of uh, the live stream which by the way if you guys uh, are on instagram go ahead and follow mr thrive that is mr period thrive on instagram to get live streams of the actual warm-up that we do for this podcast during that live stream, I was telling Isis about uh, this is actually the latest in the day that I've ever met with someone that I that I was going to interview, and and it's it's kind of cool, you know, it's different, it's darker in the room because I don't really have that great of electrical lighting, but uh, it's nice, it's good. Yeah, I like it. I like the vibe. Uh, it's a good vibe for sure. So uh, we may do it this way for now, and I don't know. Also, um, speaking of good vibes, if you guys like to continue the good vibes, go on to the Patreon. That is www.patreon.com slash MrThrive, spelled M-R-Thrive, in order to become a Thriver. When you become a Thriver, you get exclusive content before anyone else does. And on top of that, you guys can always share your input on episodes that I will listen to and treat with the utmost determination to solve. So go ahead onto the Mr. Thrive Patreon to uh, become a Thriver today. Um, Isis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. of course. No, I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, where are you from? I'm originally from San Jose, California. Okay. The Bay Area. Yeah, I love the Bay Area. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have that picture of San Francisco right there. San Francisco is amazing. I went to San Francisco State, so you know, shout out to the Gators. Exactly. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> How was it growing up in the Bay Area? Um, it was cool. I, uh, I think the people out there are a lot nicer in general than Southern California. The personalities are very different. Very different. Yeah. Well, what was the big culture shock that you picked up on first when you came out here to LA? Um, well, like we were talking about earlier, I used to work at Hooters. It was one of my first serving jobs here. Sure. And I think the biggest culture shock was seeing a lot of young females um, getting plastic surgery and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, before they're even 21. Yeah. So it just made me realize how superficial a lot of things and people are out here. Sure. I had a weird revelation like that, but opposite when I went to New York for the first time. Okay. So I went to New York, and the first thing I realized was that when I would walk by someone, Mm -hmm. and no one would like smile at me. Yeah, they don't acknowledge you. They don't acknowledge you back. But the other thing as well is that there wasn't like, like my first thought was, huh, people aren't as like, like sculpted out here and then i realized no it's the plastic surgery right right so it's like it's strange it's very when you're born in it you think that that's normal Mm -hmm. it's so weird it is very weird yeah oh man but so you were uh you noticed that in san francisco people are a little bit more natural that's the vibe i'm getting uh yeah just in the bay area in general i guess san jose is technically you know, Santa Clara County. Okay. But I did dance and go to school out in, you know, the actual Bay Area. So, um, yeah, I just think everybody out there is more connected to each other for whatever reason. Yeah. I think maybe because from what I've seen in Southern California, 
people, communities are separated by class. You know, there's like Beverly Hills and then there's like, you know, I don't know. You could say here in the valley. Exactly. Very different, you know, living situations. Whereas in the Bay Area, people of all different walks of life are integrated with each other, even within neighborhoods. So there's more of a connection there, I feel like, in terms of we've gone through similar things in our life. And maybe that's not why people act nicer, but I'm not sure. But Definitely. I also wonder if it has to do with a little bit with the foot traffic as well. Mm-hmm. Or like even public transportation. Because in San Francisco, the first thing, when I went to San Francisco State, the first thing that was completely foreign to me, my first time, like, you know, being mobile without a car mm-hmm. was the public transportation. And you see, like you mentioned before, all walks of life right. in that too with you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you see the poor, you see the rich, you see the middle class, you see exactly. the students. Especially the in San Francisco. the ho- I love the homeless people in San Francisco because it's really? mostly, you know, old hippies that just <laughs> yeah. never left San Francisco. Everyone's right. out there. You know, if you go to Hickey, um, Boulevard, there's not Hickey Boulevard. Um, I forget the name of the street, the very popular street. Oh, uh, Lombard, right? Yeah, or it's near Lombard. It's okay. like right near Dolores Park where Amoeba Records is. Oh, what is that street? God, this is gonna kill me. Uh, me too. Let's look this up. Okay, Hold we on have to. We're looking this up, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, Amoeba. Oh, wait, hate. That's it. It's I hate. knew it was an H. It's hate in Ashbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we used to love going out there, you know, before we were 21 and sure. just drive around, walk around. And I've never really been comfortable interacting with homeless people here the same way you can in San Francisco where they're offering you like, hey, you want to smoke this joint with us? Like, sure. I, <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. that. They're very, they're like all like stoned. Yeah. And like, like I've been asked to buy weed for someone before yeah. and it's like. You know, okay. you're I'm friendly, like, but I, you know, mm, only want, you know. Yeah. But that's funny that you, that you brought the homeless because uh, I think the last couple of episodes uh, with Corey and then also with Linda before, it seems like homelessness has become a topic in uh, talking about city life, which I guess in any city, yeah, you can't really have a city without acknowledging the homeless situation. Yeah, it's a huge deal right now. They're saying there's like on any given night. Within California alone, there's over 130,000 people sleeping on the streets. That's wild. To yeah. Me. I mean, I guess less. It's it's less hard to fathom when you, when you like look when you drive through Skid Row. I haven't done that in a while. I actually used to. I had a friend who started a group, and we would go by. I think the first time I went, we went to Little Caesars, and in total, we bought like 35 large pizzas Mm -hmm. and cases of water and we brought clothes and shoes that we didn't want anymore and we parked on skid row and just walked around passing out pizza and like we left we left the clothes that we didn't want just on the street for people to walk up and grab you're a good person it was a huge like reality check to see not only just adults but like women and children who should be in school on that day just out on the street i saw we were trying to offer people um pizza near this shelter Mm -hmm. you know shelter is its first come first serve so there were women inside the gate that wouldn't even come out to get free food because they didn't want to lose their spot the shelter was was more valuable yeah wow what time of year was that by chance you know i'm not sure it was warm okay it was a while ago it was like over a year ago i mean seasons are seasons regardless but in my head you know i was thinking about winter and mm-hmm. uh, one thing that we talked about is that in the past couple of episodes, the topic of homelessness was that um, other cities, not Los Angeles, but other cities like Chicago and Seattle, they're taking abandoned buildings that aren't being used mm-hmm. and they're utilizing them to uh, shelter the homeless. See, that's during... awesome. I right. wish we would have more of that out here, but there's a lot of greed out here. <sighs> yeah, there is. And again, it kind of goes back to that, that separation of the classes. Mm-hmm. People in Beverly Hills don't want any sight don't they don't want any line of vision of homelessness right and they have no empathy for what those people may have been through they just assume that right they lost everything because of something they did when real in reality it's a lot of um displaced you know mentally ill people 
um, who can't get their medication anymore. I've seen people in wheelchairs just out on the street, you know, yeah. so yeah. you never know why someone can be homeless. No, it's it's tragic, and you, you'll drive, and you'll see that it's really just a game of survival for them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my girlfriend lives in Westwood, mm-hmm. and I drive from Westwood to Hollywood, which is like a 30-minute drive mm-hmm. or a 45-minute drive on the, on the on a bad day. Yeah. You know, it's not the worst thing ever, but when I'm when I'm making my way that direction... You'll see the you'll see like maybe like a few homeless people here and there, but as soon as you hit Beverly Hills, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And and I know that they're probably paying a little extra to whether that comes in taxes or private security in that mm-hmm. neighborhood, whatever it is, to keep it that area clean. Right. And on one hand, like yeah, I can like understand from their perspective like why they do that. You know, helps with the property value. That's probably one thing. But if the only thing you care about in your life is property value, then I don't know. How do you call yourself a good person? Yeah, you know, right. How, you know, it's it's a weird, it's a gray area. Because I can't say that I would, you know, even in my neighborhood, really be comfortable with a huge homeless community. Just because you never know what, especially if you've already lost everything, you don't know what someone's willing to do. Yeah. But I've never, you know, been standoffish or anything like that to homeless people. Just And if I could, like, I've had to learn to stop myself from giving homeless people even just the change I have in my purse. Right. Because, you know, a lot of my friends have told me, because I used to just give people, even if I had a couple dollars or something, just because I would hope someone would do it for me. But I've always had people tell me, like, if you gave every homeless person who asked you money, like, you yourself would end up being homeless because you're giving all of yourself away like so i'm trying to find other ways to come you know it, contribute in one respect that's a that's a fair that's a fair statement but it's not i can't say that's entirely true it's not but it's but, at least you know, something to be aware about right you know but then how do you decide like okay the last homeless person no but this homeless person yeah you can have it right exactly so how does is there a way is there a different way to treat homeless people in LA versus San Francisco in your in your eyes? Um, I think every human deserves to be treated with compassion and respect. So oh no no I mean like more like like bouncing off oh. what, what they're what they're giving off. But yeah, you're right. You every know, human being should be treated like a I human don't being. I don't think so. I think my biggest thing is like I always if I'm gonna give a homeless person something it's. Nine times out of ten, I'm looking to see if I have snacks or food or water in my bag. Sure. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, like, a lot of homeless people don't want that, you know? I've had, uh, I was at a uh, stoplight exiting the freeway, and a homeless man, like, shook his can of change, you know, for money. And I had a perfectly crisp, like, honey crisp apple that I was excited to eat, offered it to him, and he, like, shook his head and just shook the can at me again. And I was like, okay. So. Well, it's, I, I, what I've heard is that it's because there are psychopaths out there mm-hmm. who will purposely poison food, mm-hmm. or or yeah. like or like taint the food yeah. in some sort of way to that's mess with that person. Yeah, and that's so disgusting it is. to me. It really is. You know, that's just so messed up. Like they can't trust. They can't trust it anymore. Yeah, I would personally rather give them food, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very sticky situation. Yeah, it's messed up, but you know. Going back to San Francisco and the Bay Area, you started out there. Mm-hmm. Um, when did dance become a thing? So I've been dancing longer than I've done anything else in my life, honestly. My grandmother put me in dance when I was three. She put me in a combo class, which is where for the young toddlers, the class will be split up into two styles. So it's usually like a tap in jazz or a tap in ballet. And so for the first half, You know, you'll do your tap exercises in the second half, you'll do ballet. And it was more, I think I was a very hyper child. I'm very hyperactive. I, you know, have a hard time uh, staying focused if I'm not moving. Yeah. So she just tried it out and then it kind of stuck with me and I never left. I have never taken any time off of dance since I started. No, that's crazy. Wait, so... um. On average, we all start walking at the age of what, like, 
what would it be like two? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So around there, right? We start we start walking literally the year after. Mm-hmm. It took you one year to start dancing, mm-hmm. and you already were doing tap dancing. Yes. I stubbed my toe three times <laughs> on this bed the other day, uh, and and you started dancing at three years old. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> my little Payless um, shiny tap shoes. Do you have video of that? I don't. My grandmother probably does. But, okay. You know. With she was maybe recording with a camcorder back yeah. then. Yeah. Wow. So you you guys were so you were doing tap and and you said jazz. I you know I don't remember. I do know for sure. I have a, a memory. I think maybe I was five, and we our dance studio performed at like a fairground. Yeah little talent show and that was definitely tap i've seen footage of that of us with our little crates as props and little rags i think the song was shine your shoes okay so yeah it was very like elementary remedial stuff going on (laughs) but i was i was loving it (laughs) it it actually reminds me of um i think in elementary school uh, they did a Cotton Eye Joe song to mm-hmm. like... That was a very popular song in the right? dance world. That was... Wait, wait. That was the original... I'm like making a comparison right now in my head. Uh, that was the original Old Time Road, wasn't it? You know, I think so. <laughs> I, th- I really think so. Because it was like a... It was like a... It was a country song, right? That was turned into like a pop song. Mm-hmm. And then everyone started playing it. Mm-hmm. And then like even today, like I, like I even have like... I don't even know what they're saying besides like... Eep. Yeah. God, joke. Like that's all I hear. Yeah. You know, what a ridiculous song. That's, it is ridiculous. It's such a perfect song. No, I loved it, and I actually chose to not dance. Really? Yeah, I chose not to dance uh, at that for that song for some reason. I think like because I wanted to be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I understand that. But what I did do is I narrated. I remember like they gave me a little like piece of paper, and they 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 had me like narrate what was happening at that time and it was supposed to be like an american history lesson oh okay that's cool yeah yeah and then and then they played the pop version of the song (laughs) everyone kept on dancing and i was just staying there with a piece of paper sorry i can't participate i'm narrating right now right exactly but i should have done it i'm such an idiot it wasn't meant to be right what what was it about for you what was it about dancing that kept you going that even got you started you know, that's something I ask myself a lot because I started really before I even have memories of being in the studio mm-hmm. and then kind of just came into my consciousness as a dancer and never left it. The only other, like, sport, and yes, dance is a sport. I am an athlete. Um, <laughs> uh, the only other sport I ever tried was track, and that was in middle school. And I, I liked it. Um, it just... Running and those kind of functions will hinder your flexibility in dance. So I, uh, once I started high school, I didn't continue it. I did it for two years. So, um, yeah, it's a good question. I think I just never questioned what I was doing in dance. Sure. And it ne- I never didn't like it. So it was like until we can't afford it anymore or, you know, something gets in the way of that i'm not gonna try to fix something that's not broken no no totally you said your grandma was the one who funded the, funded the classes yes right? dance is very very expensive well so i was gonna say did, did she do dancing as well um she was a song leader back in the day when she was in high school yeah. which is you know an in-between of dance and cheer so you know they were the spirit team but uh, my grandma was just overall just supportive of us doing whatever we were interested in. I actually, um, after we had our first meet, I was thinking of other things I've done. And I used to be into art, too, as a kid. Um, I was always, like, painting pictures for my grandparents and had coloring books. And uh, I forgot until yesterday that my grandma actually, maybe when I was, like, eight or nine, she... I don't know how she found this because it was before Craigslist existed and stuff like that. But I actually took an art class out of some lady's garage in her home and we were doing ceramics and all of this stuff. Really? Yeah. So my grandma was just very supportive of her grandchildren doing what interested them. I I think that's really sweet. Yeah. I'm very grateful. She sounds like a great person. She's still around. Yes. That's awesome. That's great. 
Oh, let's bring her on the podcast. Yeah, she would love to. She's down for anything. What's her name? A Lavelle. Lavelle, Lavelle, yes. you're totally welcome. You're totally invited to come on the podcast. It'd be great to have you. I'll be sure to let her know. <laughs> That's great. No, but so you were, how, how long were you in a studio for? So I started um, in one studio and stayed at that studio until I was about to start high school. And then... Um, actually my main teacher at that studio left and opened her own studio. So I went to that studio for a while, maybe my first year of high school, but you know, I was one of the few, uh, people my age there. So there weren't many classes offered for me. I was actually sometimes teaching the younger kids, which I love doing. Um, so then in high school is when I started the transition to just, being on this high school dance team. Yeah, no, totally. How how was being on the dance team? It was great. Um, I was the only freshman to make it my year. Uh, my parents, we actually lied about my address so that I could go to that school. Um, it was a performing arts magnet, so it wasn't private, but um, that was our, you know, biggest asset at the school. So a magnet's like local to an area. No, it means that like, you know, it's a a magnet for performing arts so that's what attracts people to the school we had choir we had men's choir we had a band and I always remember um, during football games like homecoming and stuff it was a great to see because the band you know the dance team would perform with the band during halftime and a lot of the football players were in band so instead of going back to the locker room for halftime <laughs> they would put on their you know band uniform go out and perform and then come back into their jersey and get back on the field i've never heard of that before. yeah it was awesome well they should have just kept their football football gear on right and then played the <laughs> yeah. tuba. i'm sure it's hard to carry a tuba with all that padding yeah yeah it would be that's that's crazy though. And did you perform with them? Yeah, we did. Did you ever play an instrument? Never. Never. Never touched no. an instrument. No. See, <laughs> did you ever consider it at all? Um, no, actually. No. It was never an interest in me. We had to, you know, keep that noise maker away from exactly. me. Exactly. I'll dance to the noise that yeah. you make. <laughs> yeah. That's great though. But you performed with the band. Yeah, so we would get, you know, a recording of the song that the band was going to play, and the dance team would actually perform twice. So we would perform with the band, and then the band would leave the uh, field, and we would perform to our own, you know, song. Sure. What, what was, like, the music contrast between those two performances? Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, our school was fun. They would uh, a lot of times do you know, instrumentals, I guess, of popular songs, but I can't even remember, like, what they were. And then we would get on the field and do, like, I don't know, Britney Spears or yeah, something like that right. that we learned at camp. Right. Well, you know, I want to comment on something that I'm noticing about the interview itself, not not, not necessarily about, like, what you what you did, like, leading up to now, but, like, one thing I've always admired about you is that uh, there's something very casual about you, mm -hmm. but it's also very welcoming, and that's why I think that that's why I think it's gonna be bring you success aside from just your talent. You Thank know, you, you. Have, you have there's thousands of dancers out mm -hmm. there, right? Not all of them are gonna make it. Mm -hmm. Thousands of filmmakers out there, just like myself, not all of us are gonna make it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the charm and the personality is something that carries out more forward. And I, I something I've always noticed about you is like you're like okay. I very go with the flow. <laughs> right. Where where does that come from exactly? That, um, that go with the flow. Um. Honestly, I think I'm just a partial, if not full, clone of my father. Who everyone who meets him says pretty much the same thing you said about me. Like he's very just calm, chill, down to earth. I've in my 27 years of being on this earth, I've never heard my dad like raise his voice, and I'm very the same just very calm level-headed even if I'm upset like I'm the one who's like okay it's not that serious or it's serious but we'll figure it out not that I ever want to see this personally but what does an upset Isis look like honestly it's been so long that I don't I couldn't <laughs> even describe it to you because yeah. I um like I told you before I'm not very confrontational or combative right so you know, when situations come up where I do get angry, I tend to just, I don't know, 
blow off the steam. Sometimes that's really what dance was for me um, as I was getting older in high school was it going into the studio was a place for me to completely leave everything else outside of the room and mm -hmm. focus on dance for that one hour time frame and then walk out feeling like you can handle whatever it is that's was it, upsetting you. Was it a ventilation or was it an escape? It was more of a ventilation um, because, you know, whatever was bothering you, um, you could walk into the dance room and take a contemporary class and um, just forget about whatever went on in your day or whatever's been bothering you for that time period. And even if you don't directly relate to, you know, the lyrics in the song, it's a, a chance for you to just use your body to express yourself. And the good, th I've never been um, much of a talker. I have a hard time communicating, especially communicating feelings. So that's one thing I've always said about dance because people have always told me like, oh, you're so pretty. Like, do you sing? Do you act? Like, you're a triple threat. And I'm like, oh no, I'm a dancer because I speak with my body. This is your language. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, was there ever a moment that dancing failed you? Um, I don't think dance has ever failed me, no. Sure. It's always been there for me, um, which is great. I don't see a way where dance could fail me. Right. That would be ultimately be just me that's failing me. Mm, I see. Because you can, even if the class is too hard for you or too easy for you or you, it's not your preferred style... If you put your all into it for whatever, however long that class is, I guarantee you that you will get something out of it. There's always something to learn. Totally. Even if you think you already know, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. So wait, one thing I'm a little bit confused about, why is dance expensive? Um, it depends on what kind of, how involved you are in dance. It gets expensive once you start doing the competitions and depending on how your studio is run, you know, it can be cheaper if your studio or your teacher um, orders your costumes from a catalog. Whereas my studio, we had every costume custom made. So it was like $150 per costume and I was would be in like six routines. Wait, wait, does the dance studio have its own costume designer? Um, No, there are costume designers out there. Okay. Um, I believe the one that we went through was actually a um a business that did mainly like ice skating uniforms totally. and gymnastics uniforms okay and then they just happened to they will also make other things too right and then uh one of the other ways we got costumes was there was a girl at our dance studio whose mom um you know did sewing and stuff like that so she would make our costumes out of her house, which I always hated because they had a lot of dogs. Oh, you, um, you're not allergic, are you? I'm not allergic, but my costumes would always have dog hair on them and smell like dogs. And when we'd have to go to our house to get fitted, like, it's just, it yeah. was not fun. We love the dogs. I love dogs, but not, but, I don't like smelling like one. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty important. Does mm -hmm. that ever throw you, like, does, is there ever, like, another, another scent? That like throws you off like in the middle of a dance like um no the funny thing is like if i'm on stage a lot of times i don't i don't want to say i black out but because you know muscle memory is a thing you kind of just go out on stage and the music comes on and your subconscious takes over yeah you know so on I mean, average how often do you have to keep on doing a a bit like a choreo like a choreographer routine like a routine yeah yeah like in rehearsal mm -hmm. um it depends uh you know i i coach a dance team too and the way i run things sometimes depending on the age and level of the kids um is you know like well okay with my high school team i will teach them bits of the choreography at a time and then as i'm teaching that chunk i will also clean it which is like going over the details and making sure everyone is in the same positioning um 
and doing it as we go. That way we don't have to go back. But sometimes if they're not picking it up fast enough, you kind of just have to move on. So we have the time to learn the choreography and then go back later and clean it. And then like, you know, my coach in college would teach us everything and then just have us run it over and over and over and over so until we like, you know, everything clicked. So it just depends on the setting. It's a lot. It, 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 it is a lot. And I imagine the setting also has a little bit to do with with being able to perform, mm-hmm. you know, is this is the surface level, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is, is it a large space? Is there a lot of movement you can make? Exactly. There's a lot of adjusting and stuff because, like you said, of the size of the venue that you're performing in. Or sometimes it's not a venue you're performing in. You're outside on the concrete in the quad of your school, you sure. know, or... We had a black box theater at my high school, so, you know, the stages are very tiny, so we've had to adjust and be like, okay, this step over here, you actually need to rotate it and step the other way so you don't fall off the stage. Yeah. So I'm, I have very good spatial awareness. Did you ever fall off stage before? I have never fallen off stage. I fell off once. Really? Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Hopefully it wasn't high. Uh, no, it was maybe like, maybe like four feet. Okay. Yeah, so... That's survivable, but it's, it's still survivable. not fun. <laughs> I actually got very lucky because of my costume. Mm-hmm. So what happened was uh, I was in Fiddler on the Roof Okay. in high school. Also, that was our Black Box uh, okay. production. I don't like that you brought up Black Box. But what happened was uh, there was like this dream sequence. Mm-hmm. In, there's a dream sequence in the play. And in order to like, like, like really get the... I guess the horror of the dream sequence going of this nightmare to happen was I pop up from behind the bed. Mm-hmm. Now because it's a play full of Jewish characters, mm-hmm. here I am wearing a, a like an Orthodox European rabbi's hat, mm-hmm. which is like a big fluffy Russian hat. Yeah, looks like you might have killed a bear to make it. <laughs> and it's like filled with foam on the inside. It's like very soft. Right. And I'm definitely on the edge. And what happened was the crew when they had set that scene up, they uh they 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 put the the, the bed just way too close to the edge. So next thing I know, we're doing like this this movement. There's someone with the symbols next to me who's cl- is clashing the symbols every couple of seconds, and it he would have to open up his arms really wide. Uh-huh. And next thing I know, like I was on one leg, my leg cramped. I oh, did like a little no. spin to try to catch myself to not try to take anyone with me, and I fell off the stage. Oh. And of all, I didn't fall on the flat on the ground. I fell on stairs. So, like, the, the wedge of this stair, I remember, like, just jamming into my back. Oh, my god! And my character was already an old person. Mm-hmm. But next day I knew I was actually walking hunched over yeah. like an old person. <laughs> and it wasn't by acting choice. Right. It wasn't, like, to build that character. That's how I felt in that moment. Exactly. I had this big old black bruise in the middle of my back. Oh. That was rough. That, that was sounds real rough. rough. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that. The next day, we we positioned the cat. We we positioned the bed like a few feet. Yeah, let's go <laughs> farther away from cover the, our tracks. That was ridiculous. Oh my god! No, but yeah, I miss the old theater days. Theater was good. Did you ever do theater? I never did theater. No, no but dancing was the thing. Dancing the was the thing. thing. The only thing I actually did, um, color guard in middle school. They okay. had the high school, um had a very like prestigious uh color guard team for the high school and they had a program a winter program for middle school students in our district so I did it I think for two years and it was it was I wasn't the best at color guard but they used me a lot because I was a dancer so because you know with color guard you're it's a like a I don't know like a six minute I don't I don't remember how long the sets were but well it's it's hand movements it's you're spinning a wand you're spinning a flag a flag or a rifle oh a right wooded, a wooden rifle yeah right. or a saber okay yeah okay wow okay so you're you're spinning these sticks mm-hmm. of different sorts whether that's a right. gun a rifle mm-hmm. a saber mm-hmm. or, or a, a flag. flag like a six pound flag right. Was that did that six pounds eventually get heavy? Like, does it? Um, is there a lot? There's a lot of arm work in that, I imagine. Yeah, I, 
I loved it. Like, I don't remember it ever getting heavy. The weight of it is what helps, you know, the mechanics of... The momentum of yeah, it. Yeah, flipping it. And I just loved, you know, when else do you get to twirl a huge thing like that? Like, right. I don't know. I always thought it was cool. It, it definitely... You, when else do you get to lead a band? Right, you exactly. Know? I did a marching band in mm-hmm. middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. I totally get that. I thought the color guard was so cool, but I just didn't... I'm nowhere close to that coordinated (laughs) yeah does that help today with your bartending a little bit that kind of coordination you know i don't know what helps with my bartending today (laughs) but i'm sure all of dance and any other artistic thing i've done plays into it no definitely you know it's it's funny i want to i want to go back to that relaxed state that you get into Mm -hmm. because there's something i just really admire about it Um, I think it goes hand in hand with you having a thick skin, right? I have a thick skin in most situations. What does most mean? Um, I don't even know. Uh, it's still a work in progress, honestly. Just, you know, I don't I'm at a loss for words. I got a thick skin through being bullied and stuff growing up in school and even at the dance studio um but sometimes I'll still get upset I have a you know I have had a lot of experiences where girls would be threatened by me for whatever reason even if I had no intentions or motives to like steal your man it's just always been an issue so I've grown to accept it and almost be prepared for it in certain situations like parties or outings um but the most upsetting thing I think that will kind of you know uh penetrate that thick skin is when I can tell that someone is just trying to throw random you know insults or jabs at you that don't even make sense because they have no grounds to speak on. Like they're kind of being, like they're kind of desperately clinging to, exactly. a, to an idea. Exactly, right. And it doesn't hurt my feelings. It makes me upset that like you feel so strongly about what you've decided about me in your head that you will do anything to try to hurt me. Like if I had someone tell me that I look like Steph Curry. And I was like, I well, Steph Curry's a millionaire, so like, thank that's a, you. But that's a compliment, right? Okay. It's not a, you. That to me just tells me that you've lost all backing to this argument now. <laughs> yeah. So I feel sorry for you, which I guess isn't really me not having thick skin. Um, it's you having pity. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think that's. I think that's great that you're able to to have that. I. I just, you know. I definitely my my skin has gotten thicker, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm not to that point of being able to just shrug something off just yet. Right, same. You know, uh, but I feel like you're so much more put together in that kind of situation, in that in that stressful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, confrontational situation, which is ironic because mm-hmm. you're not a confrontational yeah. person. Yeah, well, I think that's what irks a lot of people who are trying to be, you know, confrontational is that. I don't engage, you know, people... You don't give them the satisfaction. Exactly, and it's the best revenge because you can tell when someone has that personality and they start yelling and, you know, being petty or catty. And I've noticed or experienced that the best way to respond is by keeping my calm demeanor because I know they just want me to give in. So they can go even further. And I'm not the type to just say stuff because I'm angry. Because you can't take that back, you know? So I'd rather just, when you're calm and if you still want to talk, we can talk. But right now, you're like about ready to throw dishes and stuff. Like, I'm just going to sit here on the couch and do my thing. Right. No, totally. And does that ever happen on the dance floor? Um, no. I feel like I enjoy an environment where we have a a common understanding within a rehearsal space that like when I'm on a team I am very open to criticism constructive criticism and I hope that everyone else is on the same page whereas if we're a lot of times in rehearsals we'll split up into groups and you'll be assigned a partner 
to watch each other and give each other critiques. Or, you know, when I was in college, um, I want you to come, if you see me doing something wrong, tell me. Um, and have that understanding that it's not personal. Or if I come to you and say, hey, I noticed you were doing this, like it's not personal. Um, as long as you're only focusing on dance, then there's n shouldn't be any room for it to get combative. But I have seen it happen when people aren't very receptive to criticism or they feel like they've been criticized to too your much. criticism. No, just in general. Yeah. Um, I've never personally had an experience where, you know, there was an argument or anything like that from me giving criticism. Sure. Do you think it's just like a matter of like people not being recognized for their talent? Or do you think it goes deeper than that? I think there are situations where people giving the criticism aren't really giving it from a genuine place that's they true. are giving it because they feel like they are better than you mm -hmm. or they feel like they're the you know unofficial captain of the team or whatever and even then I've had people come to me and you know give me criticism that I may not have um agreed with but the way I was raised and disciplined in dance um throughout my entire career so far is that when someone gives you criticism you don't argue, you don't try to explain what happened in that last run through. You just say, okay, or you just say thank you and apply it the next time. Or even if, you know, we're in a group setting and the choreographer or whoever's in charge is giving somebody else a correction. Right. Our upbringing or mine was that even if the comment is not directed at you specifically, assume that it is and apply it. And even if you already think you're doing it, make a note of it and make sure that you either keep doing it or you're fixing it if you're not. That is the wisdom of a dancer mm -hmm. right there. You know who are the worst people to receive uh, uh, any kind of 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 advice from? Mm -hmm. Our directors. Okay. <laughs> Film. I'm sure. I mean, I wonder if choreographers, do choreographers get like this when like one choreographer gives advice or, or critique to another choreographer? It's... It can get sticky. It, yeah. it, it You have to kind of, you know, read the room and know what, uh, when and when to just keep your mouth shut. Right. You know? I, I, it's funny because, like, reviews are written all the time, and I really wonder how many directors read their own reviews. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine I'm going to name drop Michael Bay right now, mm -hmm. okay? People have given him so much flack. Or M. Night Shyamalan. Oh my god, that guy gets so much flack mm -hmm. for for just making a movie. Right. And he, you know, they both deserve it because uh. their movies are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't yeah. like their movies. But being said, it's like they're, they're either just completely... They just don't care. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're not going to look at it because it's going to it's it's going to hinder with what, the, what they got to do, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they just don't have time for critics, you know? Oh, well, I mean, and it's also... You know, in as far as reviews, today with social media being such a huge thing, um, you know, comments are pretty much like reviews at this point. And yeah. like any person, any public figure, no matter what walk that's in the spotlight, I feel like these days people are having to, you know, either turn off their commenting so people can't comment on their stuff or just not look at it because... Even if you're confident in your ability, like seeing so much negative stuff is gonna eventually have some sort of impact on you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. I um, I just recently, I'm right now in the process of finishing this ad. Mm -hmm. Okay. This, this is almost like like subliminally why I brought up the whole thick skin thing. So mm -hmm. maybe this is like preparation for this, right? Okay. So I recently got done filming an ad. Mm -hmm. And it's very close to being done. I just saw like the second draft of it. It looks really good. It just needs a few more things like like tweaking in the font, maybe a few more icons here and there. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Like very minor things, right? But overall, it's a ridiculous video. Mm -hmm. And it was very embarrassing to film because right. here I am dancing in the most dad move body way possible uh -huh. 
around Hollywood, mm-hmm. actually just right outside where we work. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it in public in a three-piece suit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and, like, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. But now I wonder, like, okay, how, you know, what kind, you know, will I be able to handle the, the comments when mm-hmm. I when I put that ad out there and I stop monetizing it, yeah, you know, and do I even want to allow comments? Yeah, I don't even know if they're going to be productive, you know. Right, and that's the thing. I'll, especially on Instagram, a lot of the times it's people who don't really have anything better to do with their day, Isn't that but weird? sit and troll the internet. Isn't so that weird? you know, I've literally had someone. Um, I posted a picture and I hashtagged like melanin queen or something okay you know i am half black um and i had someone comment it was like a white guy who doesn't i ne- don't follow him don't know him he just my picture came up on his algorithm somehow and he commented and he was like this is this is not a black girl like i would love to see a real black girl being called a melanin queen and it's like, you don't even know. Like, what did that comment do for you? A white Except- guy just told you what a black person is? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like maybe he was had good intentions trying to say that we need to see more black people. But I don't like, think he had good intentions I don't good think so either. I don't. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just, I like to hope for people to be better than what the reality is. Gosh, yeah. I mean, no. I think that's just the internet troll. But you know what, though? You know what the cure is for trolls on the internet? They all just need a podcast. Right. Talk all the <laughs> shit you want Right. on your own podcast. Someone's going to listen. Like, make a troll community podcast. Why isn't there a troll listen, community podcast? we need to pitch that. We need to make an app. I, let's do it. Trollcast. Trollcast. Boom. Dumb. Let's do it. It's happening. <laughs> Trollcast. It's a thing. All your trolling needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You want to tell that black girl that she's not black? Here's a link for you. Go on Trollcast. <laughs> You'll get a cult community of trolls exactly. who will just, you know, just totally digest everything that you said and regurgitate it back exactly. on the internet. Oh my God. That's hysterical. Yeah. Let's make that a thing. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> but, um, well, thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I, I've dealt with bullies as well, mm-hmm. you know, in my day and, uh, Weirdly enough, I had this weird experience where, so I had, I had like bullies in elementary school who would like bully me for being like the fat kid Mm -hmm. who bullied me for, I think they just took advantage of the fact that I had a very thin skin. Mm -hmm. I'm an only child. So there were no siblings to like get me that. Yeah, to stick up for you. Yeah, to stick up for me or or have that thick skin like to like ingrain that into me. So, um, me who likes everything to be nice and sweet suddenly would face bullies in elementary school and it would make me cry. Yeah, I, totally... I was the same. I yeah. was shut down and just cry. Even though my, you know, I was the oldest, so I'm the first one going through all this. And my dad would just always tell me, you know, like his phrase was shake haters, you know. Shake haters. Um, which is hard when you're a kid because you're like, I go to school with these people every day and they're yeah. like, you know, mocking me or ta- whispering behind my back or just you know the malicious things that children can do um but we survived it right it's it you know the bullying is so weird like it like i i there was a there was a i had a girl bully Mm -hmm. in elementary school and she was i think even worse than the guy bully Mm -hmm. which girls girls are malicious yeah this this girl jessica she (laughs) turned my name into an insult or into a bad word and so, like, it made me cry. Yeah. When, like, someone would say, like, stop being such a chat, like a Charlie. Oh. And that hurt. That yes. cut deep. That I, I, I actually haven't thought about that in years. Wow. I, I literally just remembered that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. No, but um, about a year ago, I was going to Gold's Gym in Thousand Oaks. Okay. And while I was there, uh, I ran into one of my old bullies. Uh-huh. I was like, what are you doing here? And he turned out to be a super nice guy. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? You were such an asshole. Yeah, I actually um, ran into a girl who I went to elementary school with. And this was like a couple years back. I was back in San Jose visiting. And um, the guy I was dating at the time was performing at a small little uh, cafe show. And she was there singing. And 
she was going by a different name at the time. And then when we got introduced, she was like, oh, we went to school together. Like, you know, my older sister was closer to your age. And in my head, I finally, like, it clicked. And I was like, oh, your older sister is the girl who was bullying me. But it's like, you're for one, you're not your older sister. And two, like, we're adults now. Right. Your sister calling me whatever she called me. So it's not one of the situations where you say... You can tell your older sister to go fuck yeah, herself. No, yeah, no. I'm not like one that. to hold grudges. Good like, for you. You know, yeah. I'm sure her karma came to her. Yeah. I have to have, I have to hold faith in that. Because if, if they're sharing the same human experience that I'm sharing on this earth with other human beings, then surely they have to have bad days too. Right. I don't like that expression when people say, uh, why do bad things only happen to good people? That's not true. It's not true. I hate that expression. It's such a dumb two-dimensional expression that doesn't acknowledge the full wisdom of the fact that we live in a society, in a world, where nothing happens for a reason. Right. Really. Just randomness. Right. I mean, it's weird because things do happen for a reason. At the same time, they don't. Maybe they happen for a reason, but with no explanation. Exactly. You know? You know? I do, I do know. And it causes for bad days. I think maybe that's what's helped me get a thick skin is putting a lot of faith into karma. Okay, you know? yeah. My dad's thing too, also which probably helps with my calm demeanor, was kill them with kindness. So yeah, uh, that's always just been how I lived. So, you know, rather than engaging in whatever someone is trying to bring up, you know, I'll just drop it and let it go and let karma take its toll because Definitely. karma always comes back tenfold, whether it's positive or negative. You know what? You've inspired me. I want someone to piss me off in the next week so I can practice this. Mm-hmm. I, and just, I just see wanna... how it unfolds. Right. Exactly. The best revenge is watching karma take its... its... Now I just got to convince someone to, to get mad at me. Right. That's all I got to do. Mm-hmm. I'll work on it. But that's great, though. I think that... I just, I really have respect to your casual nature and the thick skin that's, that kind of fuels it. And, you know, um, I just, I think that's going to take you far. Thank you. I really do. What's, what's the next step for you in this journey here in Los Angeles? Um, it's a, it's a question mark at the moment. Right. Um, partially because I'm very go with the flow and I keep... Um, discovering, you know, new lanes within my industry. Um, I feel like at this moment, I'm in like, just that a discovery phase. I recently was scouted and signed to an acting agent. So that's been a whole new world for me going to castings, which being a dancer, I'm so uncomfortable in a casting office. Hey, at this rate, you may accidentally become a triple threat. Listen, I think I might be on the way. (laughs) The third one, we don't know yet. Singing is definitely not on the list. No? Are you even a shower singer? No. I'm a a car (laughs) singer when the music is turned up. So loud so to where you, you think that you're actually singing the notes that they are. Did you hear me? I sounded like Rihanna. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only place where I can sing. Yeah, I get that. I, I'm, I'm a shower whistler. Hmm. That, like, shower singing is not natural to me. I'll hmm. whistle, though. Whistling's good. You know? <laughs> I've never been much of a whistler, but that's cool. Can you whistle? No. <sighs> you can't whistle? Oh my god! I haven't tried to whistle in a really long time. It's a thing though, but like, like it's a thing. Like, there's like a, a demographic of people out there. Like, I, I don't know. I want to know what the percentage is personally of people who can't whistle. People who can't whistle that are like over the age of eighteen. Uh huh. You know, because um, I know plenty of people. You're not the only person in mm-hmm. that boat. There's plenty of people out there who can't whistle. Mm-hmm. One one weird quirk is that my girlfriend can't snap normally. Like like. Okay, you... that was the next thing I was gonna say. I can snap, but I've met people who can't. So my girlfriend, she snaps with like her index to her thumb. Oh well, that's why. But she does it. That she does way. it. Yeah, she's able to do it that way. She must have really strong index fingers to uh, make that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, she must. She must. I, I. Next. Next time I give her a hand massage, I'll. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure Check that it out. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that it's it's pretty neat what you're doing. Uh, you're exploring these different avenues. What are some of the unexplored avenues besides acting? Um, 
It's mostly just acting right now. Modeling, I've been interested in for a while. I just am working on getting a portfolio together and researching, you know, which agency is going to be best for me um, and what kind of jobs I want to book. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be more attentive um, and aware of, you know, even ads. And, you know, I had to go through my Instagram and weed out I had a good friend of mine tell me that like your Instagram is your website as a dancer. So when people come to it, you want them to see you working in professional stuff. So I cleared out, you know, all pictures of friends and random stuff. Not that I don't love my friends, but it is true. My Instagram is my website. And I um, also with my feed, I, I have the tendency to compare myself to people on Instagram like a lot of people do. So I... To fix that, I got rid of all the nonsense and started following more dance accounts, more modeling accounts. I follow modeling agents. I follow just more stuff that's geared towards my industry as a like a learning tool um, to hone in on what exactly I want to do. You kind of have to become your own business person mm-hmm. in a sense, have, mm-hmm. don't you? Um, was there any part of that that was very unnatural for you? Um, the unnatural part for me is uh posting things on a regular basis I'm not the one to you know get dressed or really want to take a selfie when people want to take photos of me nine times out of ten you're going to see me make a very ugly and awkward face because (laughs) you know that's just how I am so even now for that that modeling purpose mm -hmm. you have to fight against that right and then it's like even having the content to post, I'm now like hoarding pictures. Like I'll release one every few days because, you know, I don't always have the biggest collection of content. And then that also goes, part of it too is being confident in posting your own videos like we talked about earlier and being prepared to see what people think of it in your comments. I deal with that same issue as someone who manages my own Instagram for the podcast itself, I have my personal Instagram that's mm-hmm. existed since college, mm-hmm. and I've had my professional Instagram that has existed since I guess I guess my first year after college. So I created I, I managed two Instagrams, although really I'm managing one because the casual one, my personal one, is like who cares? I'll just yeah, post you don't need I to want. manage it. But what annoys me most is that my personal one just has more of a following and yeah. it has more engagement mm-hmm. and like I'm actually trying on the on the professional one and it's harder to gauge people through mm-hmm. that it's so weird to me it is it's just like it's unnatural mm-hmm. I don't know I'm trying I, I try to be professional I try to be fancy with all the with all the emojis and, yeah and the the cleverly chosen captions and, and captions and I'm learning things. There's videos out there. There's tips and tricks on YouTube for how to have a more engaging Instagram. If you look at it, it's pretty good looking in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So go follow it. I'm not going to continue the podcast until you follow it, guys. So go follow it. Guys, we're waiting. Also, Have you go, followed yet? Also, go follow Isis's Instagram. Isis, what's your Instagram? My Instagram is honeydip. It's honey with two Ys uh, and then dot a period. D-I-P-P. Yeah, so go follow her Instagram and go follow my Instagram. Okay, now that we got the notification that <laughs> you followed us, we're going to continue the podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier you're interested in, um, uh, what, what's it? It's not rope work. It's Oh, aerial. Aerial. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell me about that. Um, the main thing I'm interested in is doing silks, which is where they hang the big pieces of fabric from the ceiling and you're com- pre- completely free hanging, just tangled in those ropes. It's very, um, it's very athletic. You have to have a lot of flexibility and upper body strength. I bet. But I just, there's something about being, you know, suspended from the ceiling that, is so attractive to me is it because you're not i mean you're not scared of heights obviously i am not no oh right how how is that attractive exactly i mean it's Um, it's neat it's cool it's beautiful but like 
I think because the only, you know, I maybe went to one Cirque du Soleil show in my life. I was going to ask about that, And yeah. outside of that, like, I thought that it was just a circus thing that people do. So then coming to the dance industry where you're seeing, they're literally asking if people have that skill when we're going to these big auditions. And it's like, oh, there's classes. Like, I can learn this for myself and it's an it's a an added skill that i can put on my resume that people actually want to see in dancers you know it's something i learned moving out here same with school like they want to see you have extracurriculars so now it's not even about just how much skill you have what else can you do right what's that special exactly do you have a specialty can you salsa can you yeah do aerial can you tumble you know it's it's crazy (laughs) Definitely. Do you mm-hmm. have what favorite one of those of those strange quirks that you've uh, done before? No. I call them quirks, but they're. I mean, yeah, they're they're quirks, right? Mm-hmm. How, I mean, what would you call them? They're just like, just like. I mean, for for someone who's like mainly a dancer, they could be called quirks or just. I don't know. Yeah, they're just yeah. like personality traits. Yeah. I like that. You know, I I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know. But you can't just call yourself a dancer. Right. Anymore. Exactly. That's the thing. Exactly. You don't have to emphasize it. You don't have to label a little bit more detail. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but but good for you, though, for, for doing that. I mean, just that's crazy. I, I can only imagine the adrenaline rush from, mm-hmm. from doing that, though. You're an adrenaline junkie, junkie aren't you? I, you know, I think so. Yeah. I really think so. Been on some crazy adventures before? I have. I love all things outdoors. Okay. Um, I've gone ATVing, I love jet skiing, tubing, and, you know, water skiing, all water sports, all outdoor sports in warm weather, specifically. Yeah. Are for me. Surfing, though, mm. Oh, so you would never do snowboarding? No. Okay. No. Too cold. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. And snow hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. Mm-hmm. I The one time I went snowboarding... I was covered in bruises Mm -hmm. and I was sore in muscles. I didn't even know I had. Exactly. But like, it was, it was pretty fun. (laughs) I'm sure it's just not for me. But surfing's not you. No. I would try it again. I got to my knees the first time I did it. Mm -hmm. That was an accomplishment. I've never actually tried surfing. It's just, I can't, I, for being a dancer, you would think I would have more, uh, stability and balance mm-hmm. on things like skateboards and surfboards. Sure. But I can barely even step up onto a skateboard without potentially breaking my face. Are you serious? I'm, I'm dead serious. I... I don't know what it is. The weight exchange <laughs> is too... I haven't figured it out yet. The, it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying. You need a low center of balance mm-hmm. for that. And you're a tall, mm-hmm. you know lightweight per i don't know i don't know it's it's difficult mm-hmm. i had a little skateboarding phase in college mm-hmm. my roommate was a skate rat as he called himself you know <laughs> skate rat yeah he called himself a skate rat and he'd invite his skate rats over as he would say oh my god and i i didn't really like that expression it sounds very wrong but the heat apparently that's what they call it if it works it works that's how i lost a toenail actually oh yeah <laughs> gross story i have a super gross story okay so we were like in the living room and we like we were messing with a skateboard that had no wheels, so it was literally just the deck. The deck, yeah. The deck, and I was trying the thing where you just you know you you step on the on the back tail, uh-huh. and it lifts up, and you catch it by the nose, and then you walk off with it, like all cool and casual. <laughs> so I tried that, and of course I'm doing this barefoot, oh, no. and I kick it up, and next thing I know, it swung up at an awkward angle, mm-hmm. and it chopped down my left toe, my oh, big toe. Oh my gosh! So next thing I knew, my big toe was so swollen and in pain that I had to go to sleep that night on a bunch of Tylenol and w- my left foot hanging off the bed. Because oh, yeah. if it was under the covers, like anything that touched it, it would just hurt. Yeah. It just genuinely hurt and I was limping. <laughs> and I got a little bit better the next day. My toe was black and like over time, like I noticed this toenail was loose and it was just falling off. died. Yeah. Just totally gross story. <sighs> yeah. So nasty. I, I was toenailless for like a month or two until it grew back, but it was nasty the yeah. whole time, you know. Yeah, it's gross. And I was like, <laughs> I remember like at the time, like all the guys who saw it happen, like, 
oh shit, are you okay? <laughs> they were like five guys looked at me. That was the more painful part was being in front of people. In front of I, people, yeah. Yeah. Every time that I ever hurt myself skateboarding, somehow people managed to watch. Mm-hmm. And that was the most painful part was the embarrassment. Right. It, you know? That's always embarrassing. Like you trip and you look around like, yeah. did anybody see that? <laughs> did that ever happen to you as an adrenaline junkie? Um... <laughs> No, yeah. but speaking of toes, if you want to hear a gross story, oh yeah, Tell me I a juicy actually story. have a scar on my arm that looks like the Hawaiian Islands. No way. Um, I mean, it's like not really, but it's used to be bigger. And oh yeah, yeah, I do. I see got that. it from that's badass. My brother's big toe. What? Yes, we were young and we were like running around the house we were in my room jumping on the bed and I we were both jumping at the same time and I jumped and then sat down and stopped jumping well my brother was like mid-jump so on his way down his uncut like big toe just caught the whole side of my arm and it went like you know when you get a cut and you can see white because it cut through like a layer of skin yeah that's how deep he cut me with his big toe do you mean like white as in he saw you saw the bone not the bone but you know like the unpigmented layer of skin that's under yes yes ouch how long did that take to heal um I'm not sure it was so long ago, but like oh. it's always embarrassing when people are like, How did you get that scar? Did you burn yourself? I'm like, <laughs> I wish I burned myself. That's yeah. actually my brother's big toe. Your brother's idiotic big mm-hmm. toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you literally had thick skin after that. Literally, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's Just why. Just get cut with a big toe and you'll be good to go. Good to go. That's the advice that I'm gonna draw from this whole entire podcast. Mm-hmm. And anyone listening should do the same. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but so you're, I mean, dancing is a bit of a journey mm-hmm. and I just want to commend you for what you've done. Uh, if you go on the Instagram soon, you guys will see some videos of some of her previous work. Um, in the meantime, Isis, if someone out there wanted to contact you, mm-hmm. uh, to potentially give you an audition, uh-huh. see what you got in the, in the, in the flesh. What would be the best way to contact you? Um, well, my email is on my Instagram. Also, you know, DM always works. Um, I check it pretty regularly. That's actually how I booked my last music video without my agent. So really, like I said, Instagram is the new wave and it's how people communicate. But my email is up there. So you can always find me that way. Or if you want to DM me and I'll send you my phone number or something like that. I'm always open to new projects, new auditions. I'm down. This work. All that information will be displayed in the description below. And finally, Isis, uh, the question that I ask everybody on this podcast per tradition, what will you be famous for? I think I will be famous for my face, honestly. Your face? I hate saying that, but people have always said you've got a really unique look and that seems to be what people are mostly interested in um so I see myself really getting into modeling and just being on different platforms in the industry so not to you know not to sound conceited but I feel like People are gonna know me for my look. This is actually nice. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. It's nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a great episode. This production took time, energy, and money to produce. To support the growing business of this podcast, go to www.patreon.com slash mrthrive to become a thriver today. That is patreon.com slash mrthrive. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.